the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast, Kevin and Chuck. Today, we're going to talk Gorilla Gardening. Um, Gorilla Gardening, Kevin, what is Gorilla Gardening? Like, I don't even... Yeah, it is kind of a broad term. Basically, it's it's gardening on plots of land that you don't own. Planting stuff on other people's property without their, their knowledge or consent. Okay. Now... Now, I think I do want to bring this in a little bit for our definition uh, into the kind of we're going to Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about like that secret garden of survival kind of Rick Austin kind of stuff. Just having food plots that aren't your traditional food plots where everyone's Mm -hmm. like, hey, there's the big farm. We're going to go through it like a freaking locust through a field, you know, and destroy it when when the shit hits the fan. Right. We want your own, and I figure in a world where we're looking at inflation, it's yeah. kind of time to maybe think of ensuring our food supply. Now, you know me, I'm always talking about rabbits. Now, rabbits, we're going to talk a little bit later about food bombs, mm-hmm. or seed bombs, but rabbits might come into play there, I'm just saying. But anyway, so original... Where did it even come from? Like, who even started this? Right. Where Where did we get guerrilla gardening? I mean, I guess it's been around for forever, right? You know, you had the, the Garden of Eden with Adam and, and Eve, and, and they just kind of had food everywhere. I guess they didn't have to worry about it. But I know they talked about Cain and mm-hmm. Abel when they started their thing. They went out and created gardens and, and did farming. Yeah, that's right. You know, the, the, the main one that that a lot of people think of when they think of gorilla gardening is, is Johnny Appleseed, right? Uh, John Chapman was, was his actual name and he was a real dude. It wasn't, you know, a lot of people think that yeah. that was like a, a Paul Bunyan story, but he was an actual, actual guy. He didn't have a blue ox or anything though. No, none of that stuff. But my understanding, he did actually have a uh, tin bowl that he wore as a hat. Now that I heard is true. Yeah, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. It's a little bit crazy to me. But uh, whatever. So maybe he's actually like the original prepper if he's wearing a tin hat. I mean, he was ahead right, of the right. curve. He's wearing a pot on his head. They weren't getting into his brain. Yeah. Well, they said that he used that pot as a hat and to make a apple mash for hard apple cider. So he's like borderline Puritan, borderline bartender, borderline alcoholic. All round good guy is what you're getting at. Yep, yep. Good dude. So, uh, so back in the uh, early 1700s or late 1700s, early 1800s, he basically uh, he had worked on a on a farm and had collected a bunch of bunch of seeds. Well, seeds. wait, I, I can, yeah, I can give you give you a little more background here. There was the Ohio Company had decided they wanted Ohio they had basically settled one main area and they wanted to expand you know and, and kind of grow the people out and uh they said look we'll give a hundred acres to anybody who can establish that they're gonna live on this hundred acres and what they gave as their definition of establish is you needed 50 apple trees and you needed 20 peach trees. 
because they figure okay. trees are like a long-term investment, right? You're not going to go somewhere and then mm-hmm. pick up and leave. You're not going to bother planting a bunch of trees if you're planning on picking up and leaving. So right. Johnny Appleseed, my guess, probably read like Think and Grow Rich and was like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to see things going. So he got together, like you said, actually his brother and him, his brother wasn't necessarily outside like spreading the seeds, but his brother was doing the whole nursery thing with him and they started cultivating mm-hmm. kind of nurseries. So his plan was, I'm going to go ahead of where the settlers are. I'm going to start all these trees and then I'm going to sell them the trees for six cents a piece. Now mm-hmm. that was like cheap, cheap, even back in the day, like six cents was a good price. All right. So what he would do is he would go, he would start, he would actually go to the cider mills because that's where they had a lot of mash and stuff. And he would grab all the seeds he could because at the Mm -hmm. cider mill, I mean, you got freaking seeds everywhere and it's all sloppy, soupy, whatever. And he would go and he would drop these seeds. So he would go start it. And once he kind of got it going in an area, he would grab a caretaker guy and be like, hey, can you kind of keep this going? And he'd train him up and whatever and and work this for me. I'm going to move on to the next, you know, one. And he would go all around, all the way down to Indiana. So, I mean, he just kept going, mm-hmm. starting off these seeds to help the settlements get started. Now, he ended up being like a super generous and, and helpful guy, like trying to get people going. I think that definitely worked to his advantage as far as being a uh, kind of capitalist. I know everyone hates that word. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, evil, evil, That's trying to work. cash in on other people. But he ended up making things awesome for everybody, right? Like, mm-hmm. he ended up dying. He had 1,200 acres in it to himself mm-hmm. that he... Uh, and, and that was kind of spread out all around. He had all these plots... And that was because he started all these, you know, apple orchards and and had things going. And the guy was just kicking ass and came back. But because of that, he was able to um, help so many people because of his thoughtfulness. You know, I kind of think back like when uh, they made U.S. Steel, they were like, oh, if if we have a monopoly in one company, they're going to freaking... come in and and control prices and everybody's going to, you know, be priced out of the steel market. And instead, U.S. Steel was like, wait a minute. If we make the prices really low, people will come up with all kinds of uses for steel and they'll use it for everything and we'll be the king of the world because everyone will be using steel. That's a way better business model. And I feel like Johnny Appleseed was already on this. He's like, look, if I make apples super cheap and affordable and everybody can freaking grow them and do it and get their own shit going, then I can be the apple king of the freaking world and turns out things are going to be better. Now, there was a secret hidden bonus. And you you already know where I'm going with this. It's, it's that hard cider and applejack. And mm-hmm. turns out, the seeds, because they were coming from the cider mill, a lot of the original variations that came out of these apple trees were 
pretty much the more bitter apples that, you know, they weren't your typical like red delicious and whatever. Although I say that and it turns out he's actually credited with creating red delicious apples. He created golden delicious apples because when you plant a seed, it's one of those you never know what you're going to get because it's just a variation. When you want to clone a tree, they end up taking like a branch and, and going from that. Whereas if you actually start right from seed, then you kind of get what you get. But he actually made where, you know, they were great for everybody getting liquored up. Now you have more on that or is that, did I already kind of oversell that? No, that, yeah, that's, that's it. But, uh, you know, I read a lot of, uh, descriptions of okay. him and they always said that he had, uh, he had, he had like ratty clothes and, uh, wore a pot on his head and didn't wear shoes. Like he was, he was like a, a guy that really lived off the land. Yes. You know? And, uh, a lot of people think of him as, as, um, you know, as some, some sort of uh hillbilly and he kind of was. You know, yeah. that was kind of his jam. I think was going out and comes you know, living off the land and creating. Right. Right. Now, funny thing though, he almost died uh when he was uh pretty early off. What <laughs> what happened was he was up in a tree picking something out of it and he fell and his head got caught in the crook of a tree. Like he was just dangling by by his head (laughs) in between two branches. That can't be good. And he couldn't get out. So his assistant, who is an eight-year-old boy, (laughs) came came along and found him there. And he had to wait until this eight-year-old chopped the tree down so he could get out. (laughs) That is pretty awesome. So, you know, I mean, remember, start teaching your kids how to handle an axe early on. It might save your life. Right. Now, I have to point out that once again, you've probably never heard me say this, but I'm a little bit anti-government. I kind of wish they would mind their own Mm -hmm. damn business. It turns out they didn't like his apple trees because everybody was making, you know, hard cider with it and spreading it around. And so the government actually sent people out to rip out all the trees that he planted because they were just tired of it. Because, you know, that's what good exactly. government does. That's how you help the people. That's what good government does, yep. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to look out for people, right? Yeah, so apparently there's only one one apple tree left that he actually, that they know he planted. Yes. And it's 150 years old, and it they said it looks terrible. It's all gnarled and fucked up looking, but it's still alive. But that's the only one. It's in Indiana somewhere. It's actually... In Indiana, on the property of a bar. So, you know, there you go. Keeping the tradition alive. Now, they did say that I think they keep propagating from that tree to have, you know, the one of the ones. But, yeah, no, he gets credit with a lot of the uh, the apple seeds. So, anyway, just a thought. He's one of the original uh, badasses. I actually, in my research, kind of look like... Uh, New York City, there were there were some anarchists. And, you know, Kevin can definitely connect with some anarchists. I, I know you're not exactly anarchy boy, but anytime we can stick it to the man, I think Kevin's in. Um, 
Yeah, I'm kind of pro pro uh, sticking it to the man. That's that is kind of my my favorite favorite right. thing. So in um, 1973, a group called the Green Gorillas. They were going to stick mm-hmm. it to the man by going around and planting gardens all over New York City. Because come on, that would show, you know, the government who's boss, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what people don't get though is if you can take care of yourself, nothing sticks it to the man any more than that. Because if you can handle all your own shit, then there's nothing that they can take away from you. You know? That's the beauty of it. When you have your own food, your own money, your own shit, then there's nothing that they can really do. That's right. So now there's a little bit of a a little bit of a um, controversy when it comes to uh, comes to guerrilla gardening. There's two camps. So one camp is is basically focusing on natural, you know, things that are naturally growing in that area, native plants. And the other camp is uh, for promoting like the most amount of food production. So, you know, a lot of guerrilla gardening um, started off in cities where. Uh, people were basically going into vacant lots and and planting flowers and and butterfly bushes and shit to make it look look pretty, make it look you know less less crappy. You know we're kind of more talking about the uh, uh, the food production side of that, but it is important to note that um, a lot of the guerrilla gardening are basically just uh, hippies that live in cities that that want things to look pretty, and you know whatever. I don't have any problem with flowers. You're but okay. um, if you're going to feed yourself, flowers aren't a whole lot, you know, aren't aren't very good for that. Uh, another thing that Kevin, hap- you, Kevin, happens a lot Kevin, with let these- me stop. Let me stop you. You have to feed your soul with things that are beautiful. <laughs> or why even live? All right. No, sorry, That's right. Amen, amen, brother. As you were. Yeah. So. So a lot of these gardens that were popping up in, in cities were. Uh, they were planted by people that that you know they weren't trying to sell this produce. They were trying to get other people involved in helping them with the gardens. And then you know a lot of people were getting a uh, blowback, saying, "Well, you can't." People aren't you scared that people are just going to come along and steal your food? But the idea with these gardens was that you do steal the food. It's for right. everybody. Like if right. you you know if you see ripe fruit, pick it and take it. You know if you. If you have access to, uh, you know, to kale and strawberries and things like that, you know, if all you ever see is is red hot Cheetos at, at the convenience store, you're going to think that's what food is. But if you see kale, you know, sp- kale and spinach and, and shit growing everywhere, you're going to realize that food, it, you know, can be produced on your own by yourself for free. Right. And, you know, it makes a big difference for inner city, uh, inner city kids. You know, and I, I think that that's actually important shit to do. Right. Now, I actually watched a uh, TED talk on a guy in South Central LA, which, or South Central, and I guess he said they've changed the name. It's not South Central anymore. Now it's like Southern LA or something. And he's like, here are the pictures where right. it was a shithole when it was South Central. And here are the same pictures as it is a shithole now that it's, you know, South LA or whatever. But, so, yeah. you know, you change the name, exactly. you make things better. But anyway, he was like, look, doing exactly that. And once again, my favorite theme, the government stepped in. What the fuck are you doing? You can't plant 
Because I guess he talked about how they have a row in front of the houses of, of land that they're obligated to maintain. So the guy's like, well, if I got to mm-hmm. maintain it, how cool would it be if I made a garden right here? And they were like, oh, God. Right. Well, of course, some nosy Nelly had to go complain first because, you know, that's what right. we do. It always that takes some sort of care garden, getting shit. Because, you know, yeah. why the fuck wouldn't you be like, well, damn it, growing things, motherfucker. <laughs> and it doesn't look mm-hmm. normal. And then uh, so the government came in and was like, hey, you're fucked up. Don't, you know, you need to tear it all out and destroy shit because that's what governments do. We make things better. You all need to be the same and have the same shitty grass out front. Right. Now, if you had a pile of garbage out front, government be like, yeah, that looks about right. That, that's that. You know your place. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. anyway, <laughs> after a little battle with the government, then all of a sudden, this is a great idea. Maybe you could inspire people to do it everywhere. And then, you know, they kind of came around. So that, that's kind of taking off there. And and it's exactly yeah. well, they what ca- they said. came around, but he. He asked for a small amount of funding, and they're like, well, oh, no, no, whoa, no, no. Whoa. We're not going to give you, we're not going to help you in no, any way. No, if you want, we can up the amount of welfare that people get. But, right. yeah, helping people help themselves, that sounds like a bad idea. That that sounds too risky. It's too radical. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, Detroit is doing a lot of the same thing, Uh you know, where they're they're taking a lot of the empty lots and, and making food. And that's the thing. Like, you have to drive to get food from these places to get, like, real produce. And then it's a fortune. And then it turns out you can grow that shit for free, like, anywhere. Right. So one of the things, like, I know in the in the 70s, the, the, the Green Gorillas, the way they did it, they, they actually made these seed bombs. Mm-hmm. Maybe you, have, you have some stuff on that? Well, I mean, I... I... I could tell you how to make the seed bomb at home. Tell tell me what we could do. So so basically, what you want to do is is start with uh, some compost. Five cups of compost is not a, not a whole lot. You know, you can make that at home. You can buy it from the store. Uh, then you pick the seeds you want. You know, basically, you're going to choose the seeds based on where you're planning on on doing this food bombing. You're going to uh, use two to three cups of clay to like pack it together. You know, to hold itself together. You're going to get it all wet and let it dry out so it's, you know, like a solid, solid item. Um, and then you just got to find a, a spot of uh, a bare spot of land and throw your fucking bomb. Bomb it. That, that only sounds right. So you can do that with, with flowers. You can do that with lettuce. You can do that with any any type of uh, seed you're interested in. I like it. And that's it. Then you have, you know, you start growing stuff around. One... It may not be something you can control and protect, but it might get that other people have access to food where they're not necessarily coming to your shit. You know, that that's the beauty of it. Um, right. And a lot of seeds, they need to kind of overwinter. So you'll have winter time, and then after the cold, then they'll end up sprouting, you know, in, in the springtime. Um, they actually need that cold in order to, you know, propagate and, and grow. So that's something to be aware of. Now, I did see I was searching out, um, you know, different people and ways to do this. And one of the girls on there was like, yeah, you know, I was always fascinated with James Bond and Q and and all the, you know, stealthy, uh, 
you know, KGB and, and secret gadgets. And they knew, they were like, I knew I wanted that to be a part of my life. And I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. And she's like, I'm a designer. <laughs> whatever floats your boat, right? <laughs> you know, whatever. So she's like, I'm a designer and I just want the world around me. I want to design it and make it more beautiful. So she's like, I found a way to do this gorilla gardening all stealthy. And what she ended up doing was she had like a briefcase with a little auger inside it so she could walk into the park and set it down and like drill a little hole. And then she would open it and like slide Mm. the cup with the plant in it and drop it in and then stealthily (laughs) walk away. She had she had rigged Uh. up some kind of gear that had a, a pinwheel, I guess, that would like put the holes and drop a seed in each one as she stepped. So every step she took, it would drop a seed, you know, in the ground. And I'm like, hey, you know, there's some clever tricks you guys could come up with. Or you could just go out with like a little hand shovel and just drop the seed. Or you could drop these seed bombs might be a little easier, you know. But, hey, you Mm -hmm. do you, right? That's that's what it all comes down to. You know, you do your own thing. And the fun of this sort of thing is it's against the law. You know, you can get arrested for – cultivating you know gardens on other people's property not necessarily uh something that's that's just uh free to do yeah it's amazing if you want to get your your gorilla garden started so what you want to do first thing you're going to want to find the land um you can do it along a sidewalk uh between buildings um sides of overpasses uh, but you want to do it someplace near a water source, uh, okay. whether that's a stream or a pond or just, you know, like maybe a, a building next door that has a, a big downspout, you know, that that produces a lot of water anytime it rains. Um, you want to first you want to identify the condition of the soil. Basically, uh, you know, is it rocky? Is it full of weeds? Is it clay? Is it sandy? Um, and you're going to want to get your plants based on what you have available. Not, you know, you don't want to cultivate your land to grow what you want to grow. You want to find the land that, you know, find the plants that's best suited for that spot. You want to like have hardy plants, um, plants that grow naturally in that area are the best ones to go with. And you want to go with inexpensive plants. You want, don't want to spend a fortune on something that you're not, you know, you're not really going to be able to do a daily maintenance with these things and go out and water them every day and and that sort of thing. You want to basically, you know, plant it and then have as little interaction as possible until you're harvesting. Yeah, the old school said it um, and forget it. Right, right. So you want to, like, basically plan out your first uh, gorilla mission, you know? go you Either go at night or go, you know, during a time when, when there aren't a lot of people around paying attention um and you know do your planning and then you want to basically do as much as you can to maintain the garden without having to actually maintain the garden uh in other words you want to get the garden prepped and ready to go before you do any of the planning and then that way you know once you get the seeds in the ground uh nature will take its take its uh course now, a lot of people think of gardening as being like a, a labor-intensive project, and it can be if you want it to be. Um, but a lot of these plants that are edible, they just grow. They grow yeah. in your area. 
Uh, I know as a, as a kid, when I was a kid, I'd know where to go and find uh, the blueberries. I'd know where to go and find uh, apple trees. I'd know where to go and find, you know, certain times a year, asparagus would be growing wild. You know, and if you know what you're looking for, you can still forage in, you know, in uh, even urban areas and find things that are edible. Right. Uh, so what you want to do is focus on those types of plants that are naturally growing and just, you know, just produce more of them. Right. That's that's the beauty of it. It's funny because I've always tried to do like blueberry bushes and damn, it's like such a fight, right? Like I'm freaking, you know, trying to get this thing to grow and it it's this, you know, like a, a square foot, you know, and it just won't do anything. And then I moved to where I am and, and my neighbor lady's like, oh, you know, my grandmother has blueberries. Can you come pick some? We have too many and we need people to pick them. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Dude, I left with like two five-gallon buckets and I was there for an hour. I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> uh-huh. you know? I mean, like, it, you can't even right. fathom. But that's the thing. Once this stuff gets established and takes off, you just really kind of need to get lucky and find the right place that it's going to grow. But like Kevin said, look at what's growing and look at where it's growing. You know, when you have the natural blueberries and and the natural uh, raspberries and blackberries, you know, growing out of the bushes, go in there and propagate it. Make it, you know, maybe cut back some of the other shit a little bit because, you know, if it is enjoying the shade in the environment it's got, you don't want to fuck up the environment. But can you maybe uh-huh. grow that area a little bit, you know, or, and that was the thing. I'm like, all right, you got these blueberries that are kicking ass. Can I steal, you know, a part and start my own from yours, you know, and, and that's uh-huh. something, you know, I put the wife on, but that's the kind of thing you need to see what's already working in your area and then try and make it work. Now, some of the stealthier things you can do are like potatoes, garlic, um, a lot of the buried stuff, uh, oregano, basil, uh, I mean, obviously oregano yeah. and basil aren't carrots. buried, but the potatoes, mm-hmm. garlic, carrots, that kind of thing are, you know, um, again, growing on top, tomatoes, artichokes, that kind of thing. People aren't going to notice as much. They're going to notice tomatoes, but those kind of things, mm-hmm. you can create a food source, um, in that secret garden of survival, he always talked about he'd do a tree, like an apple tree or a fruit tree, plant some kind of vine that grows around it, like grapes, that kind of thing, then do shrubs around that, then herbs around that, and then do ground cover like buckwheat or something like that on the bottom. And it basically creates an ecosystem that takes care of itself. And that's the beauty. Mm-hmm. And you can get these things. If you're trying to have the stealthy garden in the backyard... I mean, that's really the way to go. You should maybe check out some of the Rick Austin stuff. Um, He really is a little rough of a guy, I think, but he's really got a lot of the ideas that, you know, can really take your garden to the next level. And, you know, pulling out buckets of food, that's one of the things. Like, I go through my woods, and there's just grapes growing in the trees, but the ones that aren't getting eaten by the birds are the ones that are all intertwined with other trees and hidden. You know, if you have the big grape mm-hmm. branches just hanging out on your big, you know, fancy lattice thing or whatever, it's not the same. 
You know, you need to encourage things to grow in their natural environment and you will end up getting better yields and better results. And that's the beauty. It's when we try and do it in our traditional, oh, you know, look, we have an apple orchard and we have grass all around it and whatever. Well, then you have the grass and the apples fighting for the same nutrients. You don't have anything keeping the bugs away from the apple trees. So they just come in and they you end up having to use tons of pesticides and all kinds of shits, keep it growing because you don't have other stuff working with it. If you have the herbs and the uh-huh. things that are going to keep the flies away or, you know, the different predatory bugs, then you can maybe, you know, implement it. Now, there are a lot of uh, a lot of historically, there is a lot of different uh different groups that were doing these types of things. So one of the earlier ones was uh, Gerard uh, Winstanley, 16, uh, mid 1600s. Basically he started a group called the true levelers. And what they would do was they would go out to uh, people's properties that were not, you know, not really being maintained and would just slash and burn everything, cut all the hedges out and just plant shit. Um, This was in England. So, it's went on for a few years and they actually uh, got, you know, a big follower following. And then, uh, you know, people kind of caught on rich people kind of caught on and uh, um, basically came and burned all this shit down. Um, and, you know, you have to, you have to realize, you know, a lot of these situations, the town will come through and just bulldoze all your shit. So you don't want to invest too much work in it because uh, you know, it's not your property. You know, they somebody can just come and tear it all out, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, in in Cleveland, Ohio, there was a um, there was a hole in the sidewalk, like just a big hole in the sidewalk, and so pl- people started planting like uh, all sorts of vegetables in this in this hole. That's how big the hole in the sidewalk was that they were growing vegetables in it, and the town basically came and cut it cut it all down and fixed the sidewalk. So I mean, you have to you have to keep in mind that you know. There's no no protection on this garden that you're that you're building, so you don't want to invest too much energy into it um, because there's no recourse if somebody just comes and tears it all down. Uh, there was a situation in um, uh, well, I don't remember where it was. It was it was a uh, along the line of a, a railroad track that was um, not used anymore. There was no cars going going down these tracks anymore. And so people just started growing gardens on the on the railroad's property all along this track and uh, went, went on fine for a couple of years. And then the railroad company caught wind of it and just came and bulldozed everything down. It's their property and they, they can do what they want. So something to just keep in mind that, you know, with this sort of uh, gardening style, you don't you don't want to invest too much energy into it. You want to basically like we were saying earlier, set and forget, you know, get it, get it growing and then stop working on it. You know, don't worry about weeds and that sort of thing. You just want to do what you can do to get the biggest harvest with it, with the least amount of energy and least amount of money. That's it. And a few cents, you know, a few cents can get you enough seeds to produce, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of plants and, and produce. Right. I mean, that's the beauty of it. And especially if you choose correctly, you know, and that's it. Like, don't a lot of people get excited about gardening, but they want to do zero effort into figuring it out. And they'll just, oh, you know what? I like bananas. Let me let me plant a bunch of banana trees or, you know, I like 
peaches or whatever, and that may not grow where you live. Um, like, mm-hmm. I, to be honest, apple trees don't grow great where I live, but where Kevin lives, apple trees are freaking awesome. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. you get what you get in your environment. You know, um, figs, right? Kevin can't really grow figs. I can probably get away with it where I am, you know, with a fig tree. Um, figs, you, uh, I, I know people do grow them up in New York. They end up taking their fall leaves and they bunch it up all around the tree. And that way it kind a of lot insulates of work to it and protects it. But yeah, that's a commitment, you know. You got to really, you know, commit and make effort to what you want. But if you do the research, you can get affordable plants that give you a big yield that people actually want to eat. And how cool is that? And sometimes you can grow from seed as opposed to, you know, these starter plants that you get from the store and whatever, but you might have to start things. You know, that's, it's all different things because you might, once things are established and a little hardier, they can take care of themselves. It's kind of like a, a child, you know, when you have a little baby, yeah, you can't just drop a baby off in the wild and expect it to live. It's not going to happen. You know, it takes some time of cultivating and teaching and training and and then you can, you know, fend for yourself. Um, turns out in our modern world, you can get to like 40 and we could drop you off in the wild and you'd die in a day or two. You know, it's it's hit or miss. You know, it mm-hmm. just depends on the world, you yep. know, the training and the attention that you give it. And it's the same thing with plants. You give it a little bit of attention. You put a little effort, a little research into how to you know, do it properly, you might get good results. Works with kids, works with plants. I'm just saying. Um, Turns out we could have a world where people aren't all fucked up. I'm just saying. Like in a movie or something (laughs) that might happen. I don't know. Right. But bottom line, find places that aren't being used. There's a lot of things. Think about parks, uh, you know, national forest kind of thing, um, state land. There is a lot of land out there that goes untouched and does not get human contact. And there are things that grow in the shade, you know, that you can go out and, you know, plant in the right area. There's different things you can get going. Um, A lot of the berries and stuff, like I said, I have really dense forest in my backyard and it is full of grapes all over the place. And I mean, I keep trying to add to it, you know, and, and make it bigger and better. But you know, that's kind of, you know, hey, that's what wants to grow here. I always get confused and can never tell the difference between poison ivy and raspberries unless there's freaking berries on it, right? I'm like, motherfucker, uh-huh. goddamn poison ivy coming out all over my shooting lane. And then two weeks later, I'm like, wait, there's berries everywhere. And I'm like, wait <laughs> a minute. That might not have been poison ivy. But, you know, you, you never know. And, of course, there's always poison ivy, like, right next to it. Because that's, you know, like, hey, let me fuck with you a little bit. Like, you don't know. You'll yeah, they find, seem to grow in the same spot, yeah, don't they? I always, I always get, like, in the wife's garden, she'll have her plants, and there'll be weeds that look almost exactly like it right next to it. Mm-hmm. She'll be like, no, that's a weed. That's a plant. And I'm like, I can't tell the difference. And because the weeds know, hey, you're probably not going to cut me down if I'm... Because that's, you know, the mm-hmm. way shit works, right? It, it's just kind of wacky like right. that. Now, Kevin, you said you have some concerns that actually make you feel like we might need to be taking care of ourselves. 
Like, we might be at war at any given day. Like, all of a sudden, the food supply, the world could all get fucked up. I mean, what's going on? Why am I even caring about producing my own food? There is a grocery store like three miles away. Why do I even care? Why should I even think about this? You know, I I know people have a lot of mixed feelings about uh, Nancy Pelosi. You know, I hear a lot of rude talk about her, about how she's making money off of insider trading. Um, I hear people say rude things about her big sloppy boobs, um, (laughs) about how she looks like the crypt keeper. You know, just terrible things. People luckily you would never say that kind of thing, right? I would never say anything about her uh, her disgusting, disgusting, (laughs) wrinkly face. so people people were upset that she went to Taiwan. Uh, okay. Because I guess I guess people are are scared of China. You know, they're scared that um the Chinese will will I don't know. I guess I guess they ended up like launching some missiles into the ocean and killing some fish. I guess it was like really terrifying for some people. Uh, there was a lot of like blowback with her going there. People didn't didn't like it. I saw videos of of Chinese men in China slapping themselves in the face because they're so humiliated that Ooh. that Nancy Pelosi would go to Taiwan. Um, they feel like they own Taiwan, even though the people in Taiwan don't want to be owned by China. Uh, they feel like they saw what happened to Hong Kong and how uh, they just murdered all the protesters and put them all in prison. And so uh, so that they could make it a, a communist paradise. And they're scared that China is going to make Taiwan a communist paradise and I guess China feels like they can tell us what we can and cannot do, which, uh, you know, personally, I'm not scared of China. They're kind of kind of a bullshit second rate power. People want to talk about how they're the next world power, but they're not. They're bullshit. They're they're They run a country full of slaves. Slaves don't invent things. Slaves can't come up with their with their own ideas. All slaves do is work. They don't they don't come up with new ideas or better ways to do things. They have to do that. They have to steal those ideas from from free countries like the United States. <clears throat> China's a paper tiger, you know, like I don't know why people are so scared of them. Their military is half the size of ours. We have seven aircraft carriers, six aircraft carriers. They have one, maybe two now. So <clears throat> I don't know why people are so fucking worried about it. Um, I know that this podcast is downloaded in china uh by the chinese government and i know that if i go to china ever in my life i can be arrested for what i've already said on this podcast let alone what i'm saying right now but people were getting really fucking nervous and i don't i don't i think that i think that when when your fears are dictating how you behave you start doing dumb shit and you start you know you know start uh letting weak bitches bully you and push you around <clears throat> i have the same feelings about uh about the ukraine um everybody's saying oh the united states military can't go into the ukraine because it'll start a nuclear nuclear war uh russia will launch nuclear missiles and attack the united states you know i mean that makes sense that does make sense if you're like some sort of a limp dick loser um <laughs> but if you're you've got a If you're a winner and you've got a big hard cock, you don't worry about that shit because you know that half of those missiles won't even go off. You know what I mean? They stole all the fucking parts from it. The other half, uh, you know, all that uranium has been sold off to the to Middle Eastern terrorists. They don't even have that shit. 
Maybe they'll they'll hit like New York and Washington, D.C., but those places are already messed up. You know what I mean? Whatever, dude. You're going to incinerate a bunch of senators and congressmen. Nobody really cares. Nobody's going to be upset about that. Nobody cares about that shit. I feel like the United States is full of a bunch of fucking Nancy bitches that are scared about what everybody else is going to do instead of just deciding your own fucking destiny. You know what I mean? We, as Americans, have always been the ones on the cutting edge, the ones that are always doing the important shit, making the big, big uh, first steps in the right direction. And now we're full of a bunch of fucking fairies that are scared about, you know, scared about what's going to happen to them. You, you can't live in fear, man. Just do whatever you want to do. Don't let ever other people tell you what you can and can't do. China can't dictate what the United States does. You know, the shit just makes me angry. And people are getting all fucking, you know, worried about shit like that. Let them. Let them try. Try. See what happens. Fuck around yeah. and find out, you know? All right. All right. You're saying you're going to bend Putin sorry. over that, and make him feeling. your bitch, right? Now, for all of you <laughs> I'm not been, scared of him. All right. So for all of you who've been bitching at me saying, you know, you should let Kevin talk more. This is what happens. I'm just saying. This is what you get. If you want to open that door, that's what's going to walk out. You know, you're like, oh, look mm-hmm. at the cute puppy. Let's let him in. He could sleep in the bedroom. And then you get fucking that shit. So I'm just yep. saying, you know, hey. Yeah. I, you know, and then it's a good thing, though, that we don't have that many listeners, that many people that listen to this podcast, because I feel like I'd be canceled every week, you know? <sighs> yeah. But what are that, you going to do? That may be true. I don't, I don't know. The, uh, yeah, we're going to put you on the TikTok, right? I, I think that whole rant is going to be on TikTok because <laughs> I, I don't know what else I could do. I mean, I feel like my options, my hands are tied. I'm going to have to set you up. Um, I, I may be able to pull that off. I don't know exactly how TikTok works, but I'm going to make it happen. Um, there are a few videos on there and they're kind of bullshit, like little you know, snippets, but I guess that's what TikTok is. But uh, you guys may want to mm-hmm. check it out because we're going to try and spread some of Kevin's intelligent, articulate, um, political thought out into the world. See if we can help shake America into the, into the country that it was meant to be. Grow a set of balls and uh, slap them across Putin's face. You know, something along that line. Mm-hmm. You know, make him his bed. Yeah, just a little teabagging. I'm not talking about anything too aggressive. <laughs> no. <you know? laughs> oh, shit. All right. So, you guys, um, you want to check us out on YouTube. You may want to subscribe to the channel. I've been trying to put up a couple of these uh, episodes every couple weeks. Um, you may want to have questions, concerns, thoughts, show ideas. You can email us at preppingbadass at gmail.com. You know what? It would be awesome if you went to wherever you're downloading this and if they have reviews, if you reviewed the podcast, that would be appreciated. Help uh, spread it. That would be uh, uh, great if if, uh, any of you guys had a chance to uh, give us some reviews. It, It definitely helps out the podcast. We appreciate it. And with that, stay safe. We'll talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Mm -hmm.